Hello and welcome. My name is Brent Weaver and this is the Digital Agency Show. The podcast that goes behind the scenes with today's top agencies and entrepreneurs. I am really glad you're here. And once again, it's time to transform your business mindset. Hey, what's up, digital agency owners, podcast listeners. Before I introduce today's guest, I want to ask you a quick question. Are you currently stressed out, cash crunched, or fed up with your business? If you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem, or maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has become too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, but I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's probably something much deeper that you're not likely even aware of yet. It's like a client that comes to you saying that they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a YouGuru's Agency Freedom Session, where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Aaron Korn. Aaron is the founder and CEO of Shorebird Media, a digital agency founded to help online businesses scale. She's a former employee of Yahoo, Facebook, Amazon, and an early hire, i.e. employee number 40, at Instagram, where Aaron helped to roll out their global advertising solutions. Aaron, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. So I said this in the intro that you've kind of come from this really big Silicon Valley roster of companies. You've worked at at some of the biggest companies, the most well-known companies in this space, like Facebook and Instagram. And and then you decided to go out and start your own agency. And I want to hear all about that story, but tell me a little bit about what Shorebird Media is today. How many people do you have? Can I paint us a picture of your agency? Sure. So Shorebird Media, as you mentioned, focuses on paid social, so social media advertising. We also provide services for social media, organic content strategy. Um, But really, um, our focus is helping partner with direct-to-consumer brands and helping them scale on the platform. So building out their strategy, their go-to-market plan on social media, how they want to take their brand to market and what success looks like for them. A lot of the brands I work with either have had some experience in social media advertising, know enough to be dangerous, but they really want to take it to that next level. And that's where we come in. Um, So we provide everything from strategy to hands-on implementation and management. And then of course, analytics and content strategy. Can you give us some examples of some of the brands that you've worked with as a, as agency clients of yours? I know I know some of your your background companies that you've worked with, but uh, who are some of the clients in the uh, direct consumer space that you've worked with? Sure. So, um, some recent examples of clients I work with include Fresh Direct, which, if you're not familiar with them, they um, are a delivery service based in New York um, in the Northeast for food delivery service. Dudley Stevens is an apparel brand in New York, based out of New York, and they're direct to consumer focused on um, women's apparel. Some other brands include Packed Party, PAC. 
C-E-K-E-D party. They're more of a party brand um, accessories. You'll see them carried in Nordstrom, Neiman Marcus. And then finally, one other example is Bad Birdie. Um, They are a golf apparel brand, um, more geared towards millennials. Instead of kind of your father's golf clothing, it's it's kind of a new take on apparel for the younger generation. So it's it's been really fun ride because having these type of clients, I in many cases have the ability to hand pick my clients, which has been a really exciting experience for me rather than have clients assigned to me. Um, so I feel like I'm really a part of their business and work as an extension of their team. Very cool. So I want to get back to your your backstory real quick. You were working at some major uh, brands, Yahoo, Facebook, Amazon. What first attracted you to those companies? And then we'll talk about why you uh, left and decided to do your own thing. Sure. So my background is digital media. Um, since I graduated school, I've I've always been in um, some capacity working on digital media or advertising. And as I've kind of moved around in my career, I would say one theme that's kind of stuck with me as I look at why I've made certain moves is really um, wanting to be challenged and wanting to expand my um, my skill set. So when I first graduated college, not to give you my the long story, um, I joined a company where. I was an online marketing coordinator. Um, And that designation isn't something that's really given anymore. People just assume if you're in marketing, that includes online and mobile. But back in 2006, 2007, that was relatively newer space. And so as I moved around to companies, I was always looking for ways to be challenged and learn something new. So going to a mobile app startup, then to Yahoo, where I focused on programmatic um, in DSPs, which was really um, a growing area in the moment. And then, you know, obviously to Facebook, when I joined in 2012, Facebook in many ways was not a proven channel for advertisers. And so that was a risk in many ways. Looking back, um, you know, people weren't sure if, if it was going to be a viable platform for marketing and advertising. And, you know, in many ways, when I moved to Amazon, it is a powerhouse of a brand, but their advertising organization is still relatively new and growing fast. Um, so I've always liked to find myself in these companies that while they are large, I'm always feeling like I'm in a building phase where I'm, I'm starting um, within a company and I'm learning something new and I'm challenging myself. So I would say that's a similarity across all these different companies that I've been a part of. You mentioned that you were uh, employee number 40 at Instagram. What was that like? I mean, I feel like those, I mean, and obviously those other companies you mentioned are fast growth have kind of uh, uh, taken over the world in some respects. I know with like Amazon, especially with their, you know, I mean, how many businesses and retail have left operations because of those companies, but like with Instagram in particular, like, I mean, employee 40, they were kind of on the rise when you, you joined that, that team. Yeah. So um, I joined Instagram after Facebook acquired them. Um, when they were acquired, there were 11 employees at the time, which is kind of wild to think about. And so when I moved over to the Instagram side of the business, it was a really exciting time because Instagram was you know, a somewhat new platform to, to many people. And they had a very, very loyal following, a really strong community. And so that shift over to Instagram was 
really the focus of it was focusing on bringing businesses onto Instagram as a platform. Um, they had been doing some advertising, but it was really, you know, contract based. You had to be hand selected to be an advertiser on Instagram. It was very precious in many respects um, to the point where the founders of Instagram reviewed the actual creative that went up on the, on the app, which, you know, isn't very scalable. Eventually you need to find a new way to work. And so joining Instagram from Facebook was a really funny thing because in some respects, people would joke, well, you're just walking across to, you know, build <laughs> before. But the culture shift was very different. It was scrappy, just like Facebook, but they very much um, operated as their own company. Facebook gave them the opportunity, the upper management to really go off of their own product roadmap to have their own Q&A. So it was kind of a smaller company within a larger company. There was not a lot of process. When I joined... We were the Instagram business team. We didn't have an Instagram account. We didn't have a Facebook page. Like very basic things you would think that would happen at Instagram because it's Instagram. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> just just to pause on this. So you're at yeah. Instagram. You're in a you know the Instagram business team, yeah. and you're you're sitting there thinking to yourself, how do we get the word out? We should uh, we should maybe start an Instagram. You're like literally having yeah, the same conversation every entrepreneur is having right now. We should we yeah, should start our own Instagram account. Start on Instagram. Get people get the word out. Um, and so it's really funny, but you know. The team is incredibly smart, working really fast. And, and some of those foundational pieces, it wasn't that they weren't thought of. It's just there were other priorities that took precedent. And so just to give you a sense of kind of the startup feel when I joined um, Instagram initially, it was, it was really fun and exciting time. And you really could have the ability to make an impact on a very large um, audience of people and eventually businesses that were going to be a part of the ecosystem. So you decided to create Shorebird, got on your own. I mean, why why leave these large institutions? I mean, you mentioned earlier you like to, to be challenged and always learn stuff, but mm-hmm. I imagine there's a little bit of job security and there is lots of challenge and lots of big things to learn at some of these major these major kind of industry titans. Um, why mm-hmm. why go out and do your own thing? Yeah, I think it's a you know it's it comes down to a personal choice. I'd been at these large companies, and um, most recently Amazon. I had a great mentor and uh, manager, and great experience there. But you know, as I looked out at what you know the following years were going to look like to me, it was you know, do I hop to the next big tech company, or do I you know really take a look at what I've done, what I've enjoyed most, and, and what isn't necessarily working for me in my business and. What really excites me, as I mentioned, is feeling like I'm building something like that startup feeling, feeling like um, I have ownership and I'm making a real impact. And as companies grow and you become a, a part of this larger company, it feels sometimes harder to feel like you have that immediate impact on the business. And so it's always been kind of this feeling in the back of my head that one day I'm going to go out on my own and, and be an entrepreneur. And I think it's just taking that step to finally follow through on that voice. I had built out my skill set. I had a really strong network of past clients and, and people that believed in me. And, you know, I started slowly, um, you know, testing the waters, freelancing and found that I really got excited about the work I was doing outside of my day, my nine to five job. And, and so I wanted to kind of follow through with that and, and build it into an actual agency. And so being someone who enjoys sales, being on the phone with clients, someone who likes to hustle and work odd hours and, and really feel like I have an impact. I feel like all those are ingredients to, you know, being hopefully a successful agency, just having that kind of knack for, for working for myself. 
So you had a little bit of, it uh, sounds like, runway with trying this out at a freelance or kind of side gig level. When you decided to take the agency full-time, was there any major challenge or unexpected headwind that maybe had you second-guessing that decision? Yes. And this might not come as a surprise to people, but it, it was a little bit to me. Um, the humbling part was, I would say, um, business development. I think being at these larger tech companies, like you said, you take for granted the resources you have available to you and that you also have clients at your disposal that are ready to speak with you on the phone and, and do business. And so I quickly learned that while my resume may have opened the door and and people wanted to have a conversation, I really had to prove out myself and my agency standing alone outside of these other tech companies. So I would say it was humbling at first trying to you know, work on business development and pitching um, my agency, especially when I was newer. Um, you know, The question would come back, well, who are your other clients? What do your case studies look like? So just realizing that you really need to you know, build those proof points and do it quickly if you're going to get ahead of, you know, the many other agencies in the space. So when you say it was humbling, did that mean that you were having conversations and people were flat out rejecting you or it just wasn't moving into the opportunity stage? Like they were willing to have a conversation and then when it got time to say like, well, you know, do you need this kind of service? Were they just kind of like, "Mm, no, or were you straight up getting, you know, losing proposals? Yeah, I would say it was more um, of the, this kind that, the opportunities that I was finding were smaller businesses than I had smaller opportunities than I had initially expected. So um, I would say, you know, as you hone your business development skills and as an agency, I think the qualifying is something that I realized I need to really focus in on more and, and have more of those qualifying discussions either through um, my forums or my emails because oftentimes it's very hard to tell, especially for companies that are early stage and you know just getting funding, what their budget looks like from a advertising perspective. So I think the humbling part was having these great conversations. People were bought in and, and I would say more times than not, it turned into a conversation of sending a proposal. But then when it came down to, you know, signing on the dotted line, you know, the budget wasn't necessarily what I had expected it to be, or there was a, you know, need to bring down my rates. And so that's just something that obviously isn't sustainable as a business. And so just really getting clear to myself about who my ideal customer was and how do I kind of cut down on that time of um, having those back and forth conversations and, and finding the right customer. And none of this is you know, new. It's 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 something that I you know had done in my previous life, but as a business owner, it's a different process, and you know you don't necessarily have some of that insight and intel about those clients that you would maybe for a public company, if that makes sense. Yeah. So your service offering today, um, I think we I don't know if I mentioned this on air yet or not, but you you primarily or you you mentioned it actually is uh, on the social side ads organic for, for um, direct-to-consumer kind of brands. What's the general business model of your agency? Are you primarily engaging with clients under retainers or are you doing kind of fixed scope projects? Yep. So I would say generally it has been more retainer-based um, because a large bulk of my clients focus on having campaign management as part of their scope of work. So um, retainer-based makes the most sense. But 
in some cases, there are other projects that come um, under the umbrella of paid social, and that can include design for ads, UX, UI design for website. Many brands might want to do a refresh of their content strategy. So we'll partner with them on a content calendar and, and build out a brand strategy for them. So in those cases where design comes into play or it's more of a one-time project, there'll be a project fee. But you know, the ongoing retainer is more specifically to um, ads management. Hey, what's up, agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that helps me launch sites fast. If you're looking for a new CMS that can launch sites in half the time as a typical WordPress build, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more information at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme setup valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. And then in terms of uh, what you do, kind of your specialty, your focus around around ads and also organic, walk me through kind of how that engagement works for your agency. I mean, what are those kind of major steps that you take them through in terms of your proven process and, uh, and what you bring to the market? Sure. So I think, um, you know, just talking about my background a little bit, Having been on both sides, being at Facebook and Instagram, understanding, you know, in, in the case of my business, the algorithm, the best practices and how it works, but then also being on the other side um, of the business and working with clients, I think that's been really powerful because I have an understanding of, of how it works, but I also understand the best practices and that and what it takes to scale a business. My um, experience working with Fortune 500, Fortune 100 brands at Facebook and Instagram really helped me kind of see what it takes to be a successful advertiser and what has made or break, uh, broken some brands who may have not been scaling in the right way. Um, so my process really for all clients is an onboarding call where I really dig deep into their business model, You know, understand what their goals are. If they don't have goals, work with them to establish what a, a goal would look like from a return on ad spend perspective or what their cost per acquisition is. Really getting deep in their metrics because I'm a performance marketer at the end of the day. And I don't want to turn on any campaigns until we're clear on both sides about what success looks like. And then really un- understanding their personas. Who is your ideal customer? Who would you like your customer to be, um, just giving me as much data points as possible so it can inform the content strategy and then our campaign strategy moving forward. And then really working with them once we have the campaign set up, my goal is to really interpret the data in a way that people can understand what's working well for their brands, what kind of customer are they attracting, how are they reacting to the messages or the um, ads that they're receiving, and then um, iterating on that process. So giving them a lot of strategic feedback on the types of content that we'll need, what other brands in the space are doing, best practices in terms of the cadence in which we um, update our creative or even the types of audiences that we message. So it's really more than just running ads. It's having that strategy and how also paid social fits into their larger marketing plan. Um, I don't want to operate in a silo. I have an understanding of how important email marketing is, how important you know, influencer marketing is for many of these brands. So also being very clear about how paid social plays a part in that and how a lot of those different pieces, like even your website design can really impact your performance. And so I try to speak more holistically to their marketing strategy when um, a client works with me. 
Because of your background with some of these major advertising platforms, I mean, how much of that becomes, uh, I guess, an unfair advantage with you? I mean, you mentioned understanding their algorithm. I mean, what does that mean? Does that mean, you know, that you, I guess, at what level do team members at those large companies get to kind of see or understand how the advertising system works at that kind of deeper level? I mean, I know I've, we, we've, we've had a variety of companies run paid traffic for us through, you know, Facebook and Instagram. And I have to be honest, like, I think sometimes being an advertiser on these platforms and also having, you know, experts working with us doing this, you know, sometimes they kind of put their hands up and they're like, I don't know, like the, this is just how Facebook works. Or this is how, you know, things all of a sudden stop performing. And it's like, what's going on? And we'll talk to our Facebook rep and they'll be like, I don't know. This is kind of how things work. And we're like, well, we just went from, you know, $20 a lead to $75 a lead, like something happened, you know? And so like how much of that is truly like black box versus what, what those team members have access to? Yeah. So um, in terms of, you know, having insight into how things work on, on that side, I, I would agree with you in that Facebook is not a set it and forget it platform far from that. Um, and so it definitely keeps you on your toes. And to say that I know the algorithm, I could say that this week and tomorrow things get completely turned upside down by the team at Facebook or the powers at B. So I think just understanding how all these different pieces work together, Instagram, Facebook, their engagement model, and just understanding kind of the way that the product teams think at Facebook has helped inform a lot of the decisions I've made on behalf of my advertisers. There are absolutely times where I'll be working with a client and something, there might be a hiccup or we'll notice something on the data, like you mentioned, where results aren't what we expected. But I think that's a fun part about working with these clients is not that there's hiccup, but being able to dig into the data and figure out what's going on. And I think that's been extremely important in, in what I'm doing now is having that client success manager background of working at Facebook and really being that person that all agencies or brands that were in my category had to turn to if they were seeing that there was an issue or performance wasn't where they expected to be. I had that resourceful way of working and being able to dig deep to understand potentially what could be the root cause of the issue. And, and so that's not something I shy away from. I actually welcome it because I have a lot of experience doing that internally at Facebook. And then, you know, now with clients, I am their, their go-to person for those same issues. With these platforms there, uh, in one of our recent episodes, we were talking about how, uh, you know, the, the, these platforms are great until the marketers kind of ruin them. And I think Facebook and Instagram have fought pretty hard against that. I mean, there's been other platforms that the marketers kind of uh, abuse faster or, or and that affects adoption from the user level. You know, what are you seeing in terms of how Facebook and Instagram, and I've seen Instagram, you know, they've recently been changing things around with likes and how people get recognition in the platforms kind of almost as a way to avoid marketers maybe ruining them or how people are leveraging or abusing the messenger systems, things like that. So what are what are you kind of seeing in terms of like trends of how they're, what kind of content they're looking for? Like what is effective these days with these platforms given that they aren't really in their infancy anymore? I mean, Facebook is no longer, you know, the new kid on the block. I mean, they're kind of this big gigantic corporation that's making billions and billions of dollars of ads. I mean, what are the things that they're doing right now that are um, maybe effective for companies and also some things that uh, are challenges? Yeah. So I think from a format perspective, in, in terms of the type of ads that are effective across the board, it's not 
anything surprising, but video, and I, I'm sure that that's something that your listeners hear all the time, but video is really key to succeeding on Instagram and Facebook. And you can see that in the type of products that even Facebook um, brings to consumers. Um, if you look at Instagram TV, if you look at um, a lot of the um, new video products that Facebook's rolling out, that is where consumers are focused. And even outside of Instagram and Facebook, you look at the short form videos on apps like TikTok and Snap, that's because that's the consumer behavior. And so they're following with that. And so advertisers... I would encourage if you're really focused on doing more stills or images, tested videos, there's really no excuse not to with all the tools available right now that allow you to make short form videos. Even using your phone to do it um, is just as effective instead of just running images. So video, I would say from a format perspective is, is key. And I would just say also one thing that I've noticed changing across the board is just and it's intentional on Facebook side is really taking user sentiment into um, into thought about the algorithm. User sentiment's always been important to Facebook and Instagram because if, like you said, marketers are impacting the platform in a negative way, users drop off and the engagement is down and that hurts the apps. And so Facebook needs to make sure that they're keeping their users happy. But I think that's being surfaced as much more influential in terms of how ads are ranked. And so if people are hiding your ads or not reacting to them in a positive way, you'll get a bad quality score, which means your ad won't get the delivery it should. And so it all feeds into each other. So I think, you know, Facebook making that step to make it more um, apparent to advertisers that they need to make good ads and and use content that's positive and, and impactful to their audience and relevant, because if they don't, their ads won't perform. So I think it all feeds into one another. And the last thing you message you mentioned is messaging. I think messaging is really powerful. And, and I think a lot of agencies are understanding the power of it from lead generation. But just as a, a customer service channel, I think it's a, an untapped resource for a lot of early stage companies. There's so many ways that you can kind of influence you know, return purchases or follow up with people on Facebook Messenger or use Instagram as another customer service channel. And I think while you hear Messenger bots, the more I talk to clients, they're not necessarily being leveraged in the way that they could be. So I feel like that's still a big opportunity out there. When it comes to content and uh, and video in particular, you mentioned that short form video is kind of where where things are going, or at least these platforms are creating infrastructure and putting resources to those things. Any advice for clients around creating content? Because for some people, it's easy, right? I mean, they're influencers, they're used to it, they're creating daily vlogs, things like that. I feel like for the average agency owner, they're thinking to themselves like, well, for me to create video content every day or create, you know, like, is that right for me? I mean, any kind of tips or advice of how you help your clients create video content for these platforms in a sustainable kind of way? Yeah, I think look at what you're doing right now. Um, whether you're an agency and you want to advertise your own agency services or you're, uh, you know, a direct-to-consumer brand, you know, this was a conversation that came up a lot, even when I was at Facebook and Amazon, just about creative resources. That's always a hurdle for, you know, brands of any size. And I would say that there's a lot of ways that you could leverage your current processes um, to create content. Um, for example, a lot of the brands I work with have regular photo shoots for new style collections. And so, you know, 
putting that in their ear and say, you know, I know you have another photo shoot coming up. How about during that shoot, you have someone on your team take some B-roll video of behind the scenes or taking pictures of the photo shoot. That is interesting to the end consumer, showing the process behind the brand. And those videos, while they're taking on your phone, they work really well for Instagram stories because stories are organic, they're quick, they're um, they're candid. And so even as an ad, they work well if it's something that's not as produced. And then also, you know, there's plenty of brands that might have past video that they've done for their website, videos for commercials or promo videos. Think about the assets you already have on hand as a starting point. And then from there, there's tools available to small businesses like on Facebook Ads Manager where you can stitch together images and create somewhat of a slideshow or video. From a services perspective, I would say think about what interests your customer? Why would they want to stop and, and listen to your videos or, or watch you? For example, maybe they want to learn a little bit about a tool that you offer them, or they want to see some insights, industry insights that are specific to them. That video could be more of a graphic video. So giving them a tidbit that's interesting. Just think about your end consumer and what they care about. But I would say in terms of the amount of content you create, you can start slow. But I, I think it's better to start than just wait until you have a huge library of content available because you can always shift and add more. But to sit and, and not get involved in, in video, if you're losing out and your business is losing an opportunity. How are you personally leveraging some of these platforms, uh, the advertising platforms and organic social for your agency? Is that a key part of how you get clients or is it more of your focus for your service offering? Yeah. So I think, you know, you have to practice what you preach. And so I um, have Sherber Media has an active presence on Instagram and Facebook. And I find that actually, surprisingly, talking to potential clients through Instagram has actually been one of the best ways that I've, I've found new business. And so I think Instagram direct messenger is something that people don't think about necessarily for business or prospecting. But I reach out to brands all the time, even if I am not looking to engage with them as a, as a potential client, but just to say, I love what you're doing or I'm a, a customer and I just want to let them know how happy I've been with their service. There's a team almost always staffed on those accounts and I always get a response. And even if it's, you know, a thank you or they're, they're sending me information or someone to reach out to, I found that's been much more responsive than email, um, which, you know, isn't, isn't surprising. I'm a social media agency. So it, it would make sense. I engage where people are. I also use LinkedIn quite a bit. Um, again, LinkedIn, I think, is an underrated channel for a lot of agencies, but it's extremely effective. It's where your customers are spending their time, the decision makers. And even if you're on there connecting with other agencies, you're providing value to one another. I think that's extremely important because people want to work with people who are providing value. I genuinely like helping other people and helping other agencies. And given my background, if I can answer a question faster than it takes you to do a bunch of YouTube and Google searches, I'd be happy to, you know, share my insight. And eventually that, you know, comes back to you. Um, you know, you might not be able to have that person be a customer, but they'll remember that you helped them and might refer you to other clients. So I think that's not necessarily platform. It's just, you know, as a business owner or an agency, try to help people out where they are and, and you know, hopefully that comes back to you and, and people will do the same for you. Well, Aaron, it sounds like that methodology has helped you get some of these some of these awesome brands like Fresh Fresh Direct um, as clients. I know you've 
uh, got a bunch more of awesome clients you've you've worked with. Uh, so congrats on that, and thanks for kind of walking us through some of how you do what you do at your agency, your journey from uh, the big ad giants to doing your own thing. It's been a fascinating story. Are you ready for our lightning round? Yes. What is the best advice you've ever received? The best advice I ever received was probably when I was young and it's it's a losing game to compare yourself to other people. That's a good one. I feel like everybody probably has that moment where they're seeing other agency owners do uh, do cool stuff like, oh, I should do that, right? Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? My personal habits? <clears throat> I would say probably... Just resourcefulness. Um, I don't know if that you you found under habit, but I think I'm just an extremely resourceful person, and and that's helped me find my way. Um, especially in in the realm of being an entrepreneur, there's a lot of unknowns, but I, I found my way through it. Can you share an internet resource, tool, or app that you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? My favorite right now, and it it's a popular one, is Canva. I just think it's an incredible platform. Um, for you know, creating content for or your website, but also even for things like proposals, email marketing. I just think it's a, a beautifully designed app, and it's I think it's been a game changer for me. And what book would you recommend, and why? Oh boy, um, I'm reading Becoming right now by Michelle Obama, and I would recommend that because, especially at times where you wherever you are in your career, when you hear that story of kind of the uh, the issues that Michelle Obama dealt with early in her life and how she kept finding her way um, and, and scale higher and higher in her career. It's really powerful. And I feel like it's very motivational, even if it's not meant to be a motivational book. Um, so I, I feel like that's a really uplifting story to, to read. Awesome. Well, we will link out to her book as well as Canva and uh, and some other key takeaways, lessons learned, and also links back to your website on our uh, show notes page. That's at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. So if you're out on a run or on a in the car, check that out. Go to yougurus, click on our podcast page, and you'll see Aaron's episode right up there at the top. If you're listening to this the week of, click on that and you'll see lots of great uh, info for you there on that page. Erin, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Yeah, um, please visit my Instagram account. It's just Shorebird Media or visit my website, shorebird-media.com. And always happy to answer questions if you want to DM me or send me a note. Sweet. We'll make sure that those links are also uh, on our show notes page. Uh, as well as a link out to your uh, your Insta profile, so people can connect with you there and see what your uh, see how you do social media, right? So it's always interesting to hear hear from people that are doing social media as, as a service. Uh, so uh, looking forward to that. So folks, you can check that out at our show notes page there at yougurus.com forward slash podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for stopping by the program today. Thank you, thank you for having me. And that's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming to you to help you grow your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out today, I want to check on your answer to my questions from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead gen problem. Maybe it's the area you live in, or maybe this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around. And I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. 
It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or mobile app, but they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, I want to invite you to apply for a free agency freedom session where you can dig into those underlying issues in your business and get moving like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answer to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your agency freedom session today. Go to yougurus.com slash apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.